And I want you to look at this uh, monitor, and I want you to see these two images. And uh, regardless of what you think, one of these images are larger than the other one. How many of you believe that the yellow one is the largest one? Would you lift your hand? How many of you believe that the red one is the largest one? Okay. Now, what I do want to share with you is that before I said anything, what, what were your thoughts? Did you think that they were the same size? That's because both of them are the same size. And what I got this morning, I got almost all of you to raise your hand to say either the yellow or the red was larger. This image I got from uh, James Wildman, and one of the things that we can learn from this is that you can be manipulated to believe something that is not true. And let's say that as a child that you grew up and you were told that the yellow one is larger than the red one, then you would grow up your life believing although something looks like to you to be the same, or you would grow up your entire lives believing something that is not true, being convinced that something that is true that is not true. And do you know what? If you're told that enough times, then what happens is that it becomes a part of your reality. And if we pass that around to other people, it becomes a part of our culture. And then if we keep passing that misinformation down, it becomes a part of the next generation. And do you know what uh, is, is true is that what we believe will shape our lives. It doesn't control your life, but it shapes your life. And so you can be convinced that something that is untrue to be true. And what can shape your life is the thing that is a lie. Uh, Solomon says it like this in Proverbs 4.23. He says it like this. He says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Come on, church, let me ask you this. What's shaped by your thoughts? What shapes your life? So what we see then is that our beliefs shape our attitude and it shapes our behavior. It doesn't control it. Again, I want to emphasize that, but it does shape it. And so what you believe about marriage will shape your attitude and your behavior about marriage. What you believe about school, what you believe about a marriage, what you believe about uh, your friend, what you believe about your mother and your father, it will determine your attitude and your behavior toward them. You know, what you, uh, when we think about that, let's just kind of look back in, in history. And it was believed that the world was flat. And what's interesting is that when they sailed, they would always sail close to the shore. Why? It's because they believed that they continued to sail, what would happen? They would fall off the earth. And so notice this, that what they believed shaped their attitudes and it shaped their behavior. Until one day, Christopher Columbus, he, he took an orange and, and as he had these, this orange, there was a butterfly that landed on the orange. And uh, the butterfly began to walk around the orange, and what he noticed was that the last thing he saw of the butterfly was its wings. And he says, that's the exact same thing I see when we sail. And he began to say that the earth is not flat, but it is round. 
and it changed uh, many uh, areas. It changed a number of things. And then we began to discover other places simply because that our attitudes and behavior was not uh, shaped by a lie. Now, when we look at this, we're going to look at several things this morning. And uh, I want to emphasize, and this is where I'm going, that what you believe about God will shape your attitudes and your behavior toward him. What you believe about God will shape your attitude and your behavior toward him. And so the Bible tells us in a very clear way that uh, our, uh, our attitudes and behavior or our thoughts are, are, are shaped or our attitudes and behavior or our lives are shaped by our thoughts. And then so when we want to change something in our lives, what we generally would do is try to change the behavior. But that's not the thing, according to the Bible, that we should change. And, and I want to just say this, but we live in an, uh, a society uh, that uh, share our beliefs uh, or share uh, ideas and informations that challenges what you believe. And in reality, what we do is that we live in a society that spreads misinformation about friendship. Amen. We live in a society that shares misinformation about marriage. We live in a society that shares misinformation about God. Amen. And when you hear that long enough, it began to shape your attitudes about marriage, about friendship. It begins to shape your attitudes about God. And uh, so when we become a Christian, what's interesting is that uh, these thoughts don't really go away. Now notice here in 2 Corinthians chap uh, 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 chapter 5, uh, verse 17, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, come on, champions, let's read this together. Let's read it together now. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, behold, all things have become what? And so notice this. You have been renewed in terms of your image or in terms of your identity. We, when we accept Jesus into our lives, we are renewed by our identity. We are new, renewed by our image. But the thoughts don't go away simply because we're renewed by our identity or image. And so we live our lives with a new identity. We live our lives with a new image. But we live it with the same wrong information. And, and, and we, we, nothing will ever change until we win the mind game. Or the Bible calls it we renew our mind. Now, how do we do it? What do we do? How do we renew our mind? You know, we know that the Bible talks about don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It tells you what you need to do, but how should it be done? Look at this. Ephesians 4.23, Paul tells us, let the what? Spirit. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. See, you won't be able to change your behavior. You can't change your attitudes but the Spirit of God can uh, change or shape your thoughts, your attitudes, and your behavior. And, and what's interesting is that how do we know that we have been renewed? Now, we know that we can't do it on our own, but we do know that the Spirit of God can renew our thoughts. It can renew our attitudes. But how do we know that we are being renewed and have been renewed in our thoughts and our attitude. First of all, we have to examine the excuses that we make in life. Would you say that with me? Examine, examine. 
the excuse. Uh, and so many times we'll use the excuse. I wasn't the only one. And that is supposed to make things okay. Because you weren't the only one that was uh, doing what was wrong. And so behind every excuse is a lie. And when you discover the lie, then now you can make the adjustments that are necessary so that the spirit is the one who is renewing your thoughts. Now, now, so I wasn't the only one. Isn't that interesting when someone says I wasn't the only one? It's like when you go before the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to say, hey, let's all stick together because we weren't, the, you know, I wasn't the only one. You didn't do it by you. Let's all stick, to, stick together as if there are no consequences because you're together. So would you say that with me? Let's examine the excuse. Now, 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 let's look at the next one. I don't see any harm in doing that. And so the lie behind that is that if you believe, if you don't see any harm, there is no harm. But, but, but you don't really know or believe, but you don't really know or you don't really believe that just because you can't see any harm, there is no harm. You don't really believe it. And, 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 and I know that some, some people may say, well, I know what the Bible says. I know what the pastor says. But I don't believe there is any harm in doing that. And so as a result of that, then we, our attitudes become shaped by what we believe. If you don't believe there is any harm, then your attitude would say that there is no harm. And then you'll begin to behave as if there is no harm. The next one, next excuse we have to examine. I'm just going to give you a couple today. And you may find yourself in one of these, maybe not all of them. And some people may find themselves in every last one of them. Let me just uh, share this one with you. It's just this one time. And so, the, again, the lie is that if you only do it one time, then it's okay. Well, you really don't believe that. Be, uh, be, uh, and let me just say this. I was thinking about this, and I don't know one person who's ever stolen that believed they would get caught. They really thought that they would what? Get away. I don't know one person who's ever had an affair believed that they would get caught. But they thought that they would what? I don't know one kid who cheated in school, cheated on the test, believed that they would get caught. But they thought that they would what? Get away with it. And so this thing is that it's just this one time. You know what? One time can be the difference between life and death. And do you know what? God doesn't want you to experience everything because some experience will kill you. Let's look at this, this next one and... and uh, uh, you probably for me. I don't listen to the words. I just listen to the music. Now, now, now you can, everybody can find themselves in that. Because how many of you know that there are some songs you can listen to and sing? But there are some. It doesn't have to have Jesus' name in it. But as long as it promotes the thoughts according to the biblical standard, then he says it's okay. Like, uh, the world will get no better. Or it should be any better, but no better, right? If you let just... Isn't that a principle in the Bible that says that God has sent us in to the world, but not of it? But, but how many of you know, again, I got to put this out because so many of you sang it when growing up, and I heard some people sang it about two months ago. They caught themselves, but they started it. That me and Mrs. Jones, how many of you know you can't sing that song? Why? Why can't you sing it? It's talking about meeting her at 6.30 every day at the same cafe. Now, that's stupid right there. If you're going to meet at the same place every day, 
And how many of you know that now your cell phones track your location, wherever you've been? I mean, I can go to other cities, and then it says, do you want to see where your friends have been? I go, whoa! And you didn't even know that it was telling somebody else that you had been there. Now, now you don't really believe the lie that if, if you don't listen to the words, you just listen to the music. You don't really believe that if you hear something over and over again, it won't affect you. You don't really believe that if you, if you just be straight. So what we have to do is we really have to examine the excuses. Because when we rationalize, we need to ask, where does that lie come from? When we, when we, when we, when we uh, identify the lie, we recognize that it is a lie, then we have to say, where did that lie come from? But we just can't explain it away. We, can, we have to examine the excuses. I love John 8.32 because John 8.32 says it like this, and you shall know the truth, and it is the truth that shall make you free. And so, so notice this, you shall know the what? And it is the truth that shall what? And so notice this, that as long as you uh, believe the lie, that it will affect and shape your attitudes and your behavior. Uh, but the Bible, and so it gives us an analogy that as long as you believe and have an attitude and behavior that's consistent with the lie, you are not free, you're in bondage. But when we know the truth, it is the tr- you're in darkness. But when we know the truth, it is the truth that makes you free. It is like the truth has a force that causes the light to break through. And what you could not see, you now all of a sudden are able to see it. But, but the, this is the thing that I want you to grab a hold of, is that when you expose the lies, they lose their grip. Come on, would you say that with me? When I... Expose the lie, the lie loses its grip on my life. And so what we want to do is we want to examine the areas in your life where you make excuses. Now, the second thing is this, is examine areas in your life when you tend to overreact. Examine when you tend to overreact. I, can I tell you something? And it, it, I was convicted of it this morning, that... Uh, um, on yesterday, uh, Gwen, uh, she wasn't at home, but, you know, we, uh, our garage door went out. And so we talked about, she says, what I'm going to do is I'll call a garage door person. And she did, but she was not at home. And so when she called them, they arrived before she got home. She got home maybe 10 minutes after they arrived. And so I was out there, and they were saying, she called me and said, they're going to come. And I was out there, and the guy told me the price of this is too much. And then I talked him down about 20%. I thought it was a good deal, right? And then, uh, so he starts working immediately. When Gwen got home, I said, hey, he said that uh, uh, this is the price, and he said that it has, the whole thing has to be replaced. And she says, okay, let me just give him the service charge. And I said, oh, he's already started working. She says, huh? She, I said, he's already started working. She says, well, I didn't intend. I wanted to get two or three prices. And it was at that moment that I said, uh, Gwen, you should have been here. <laughs> This is not a conversation we should have. You should have been here. Why? I, because I became overly sensitive to something that I had done wrong. I mean, she called them. She gave me instructions. I should have waited for her because she told me she'd be right there. Or I should have what? I should have called her and say, what should I do about this? But here, 
I'm into solving things. And so I say, okay, I, I got a good deal, 20% off. And when she came home, I got a little sensitive. Gwen, you should have been here. And so I had to examine that I had overreacted. Honey, I'm so sorry. So we examine the excuses. We examine when we're so sensitive that we tend to overreact. Why? It's because when you have that sensitivity, most often you're wrong and you know it because what? The Spirit has convicted you and it is renewing your thoughts. But you don't want to admit that you have to change your attitude and your behavior. I love this because the Bible says, and we're about to receive communion in just, uh, just a moment. The Bible says that we are to examine ourselves when we prepare to receive communion. And it says to examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. That's what one translation says. And, and, and I love the way the message uh, Bible says it. It says, let's read it together, church. Now, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need, oh, stop right there. Come on, let's say that again. Give yourselves. Just one more time. How often? Oh, my God. Let's just let that uh, marinate for a little while. Let's go to the next sentence together. Now, you need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. How do we do it? By examining ourselves. If the Spirit is going to renew our thoughts, we examine ourselves and examine the excuses, the examine when we become sensitive and recognize it's the Spirit telling us we were wrong, and we begin to examine ourselves. Why do we examine ourselves? We do a regular check checkup because it will let us know that Jesus Christ is in you. Come on, let's keep reading together. Now, test it out. If you fail the test, test it. Do an examination. And if you fail the test, do something about it. And that's what he says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn and do something about it, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and I will heal their land. When the Bible tells us to be transformed, by the renewing of our mind, it is saying to us, examine yourselves after you have accepted Jesus into your life so that you can test regularly that the Spirit is actually leading you rather than the lies that have been passed down from generation to generation. And he says that when that happens in Romans, you will be able to, to do the perfect will of God. The only way for you to fulfill the purpose of God in your life, that you have to be led by the Spirit of God, which will change the way you think. But how do you know? You examine the excuses that you make in life. You also examine when you're so sensitive, you begin to overreact. And that will determine if you are in the faith at that moment. And Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, is working.